0: You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 246 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me as always is my co-host, Nick Stumbo. The snack that smiles back. I I have no... Wait. Mm, nope, I got nothing. It would probably help if
1: I sang the jingle. Only I'm not sure of the tune, so I would butcher it so horribly. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> okay, would just tell me that. But that is a written, you know, slogan and jingle for Goldfish Crackers.
0: Really? Were you they, Justin's over there humming? They like, are the snacks that smiles back.
1: Something like that. Yeah. He's wow. That's whoa. I've not heard that, that version. Dark. That was. That I don't know, listener, if you heard, heard that, but. <laughs> Oh, okay. For goldfish? Are okay. you sure? Until you oh. bite their heads off? I don't remember ever hearing that part.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think your parents taught anyway. you that as a twisted weird. <laughs> <kind> of, <laughs> it's one of those things where like, you realize... Other families don't play the game the same way you do. Like you guys don't chase each other with knives around the kitchen table. What do you mean? Um, Anyways, before it gets way, way dark. (laughs) Today, we had Heather Cole back on after she rudely, her and Ashley kicked us off the podcast for a few weeks. Um, But we had her on to talk about the need for replacing our unwanted behaviors.
1: Yes. Just like the snack that smiles back. We want behaviors Mm. in our life that return to us. That feeling of something good, something that gives us um, meaning or joy, because that's ultimately underneath unwanted behaviors, what we're looking for. We're looking for peace, contentment, joy, belonging, Mm. that those are our deep needs. And we just don't realize the ways we've been masking it or looking for it in all the wrong places. Um, So I I think this episode is so crucial and it feels in some ways kind of like, oh, this is a neat, lighthearted, you know, try it if you want. Right. But I think truly it's one of the secrets to recovery is that when we are working away from what we don't want, we've got to have a really clear vision of what we do want and Mm -hmm. what are the activities that we're going to bring into our life to help us find what maybe we've been looking for all along. So really powerful conversation and I hope
0: everyone gets something out of it. It's funny. What came to mind was uh, like, this feels like a cheat code in the recovery journey is that's one of those things. I don't know if you guys remember those back when they had cheat codes. Right, right, left, <laughs> up,
1: you know, down yeah, arrow. That's
0: right. Exactly. All right. Before we get to the episode, a few things. Uh, wow. I got, I got, tripped up there. Okay. It's not that I've done this for 246 episodes or anything, but first off, subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't We're on all the major platforms, leave us a review. It helps other people find the podcast. Also follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at pure desire PDMI. And we also have full episodes of these up on YouTube. Just search pure desire ministries. And then Nick, we talked about it last episode. We're going to talk about it again. We now are it's just out there, the group leader training. And I. It, the reason why I can't find the words is because we're so excited to finally have this out there.
1: We are. It's been um, a long time coming and it's actually one of those byproducts of conversations happening probably two years ago as a ministry where you reflect on what are our greatest needs? Mm-hmm. What are people in churches and in recovery asking for? What's going to help move this mission forward? And we identified that really the key to recovery was a healthy group experience yeah. and that the key to a healthy group experience was usually the kind of leader yeah. or the health of the leader you had. Totally. That that's what we were hearing over and over was people who said, man, my group leader led us through the material. Yep. They helped, they, yep. they guided. Yep. And when people were not, doing well in recovery, it often we would hear, well, the group leader, we didn't really use the material, Mm -hmm. or we've been on the same lesson for six months, or all these practical things are like, wait a minute, that doesn't work. And we know why that doesn't work. So building this group leader uh, training course, we just saw as being a key to not only um, helping groups grow, but really helping people find freedom, healthy leaders, lead healthy groups, create a lot of healthy people so if you have it on your heart to help others as god has now been bringing health into your life we want to encourage you go through the group leader training series even if you think i've got this nailed i had a great group leader i'm just going to do what they did You need to walk through and and get this training so that you really feel equipped and confident to lead group well, because we truly believe God can use anyone who's willing to lead group. Uh, But if we can help give you some of the tools and the pattern to do it well, it's just going to benefit everyone that much more. So we hope you'll... uh, jump on this and yep. uh, that you'll enjoy watching it as much as we enjoyed making it.
0: Yeah. And just for some details, it's eight sessions. It has 40 plus videos, shorter bite-sized modules. And uh, man, it is just, it, it to me, it feels like one of the most important resources that we have created as a ministry. And that's why we're so excited about it. So if you're interested in getting this course, go pre-order now at puredesire.org slash GLT. All right. Here's our conversation with Heather Kolb on replacing our unwanted behaviors. Heather, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here today.
0: This is your first time back since you and Ashley kicked us out uh and took over. Rude. And yeah.
2: Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. Sure was. <laughs> we were so
0: sad that we bought new tables <laughs> for the studio now, uh, just to make ourselves feel better. Um, but We're excited to have you back. And the reason we had you back on, on this episode specifically is today we're talking about replacing unwanted behaviors, unwanted sexual behaviors, unwanted behaviors, maybe even from a betrayal side as well. Um, because a lot of that stuff has to do with the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is something that absolutely is involved in recovery and healing, but we also want to have that neuroscience perspective as well as we get into it. So, um, We talk about this topic a lot, and this phrase comes up a lot, that it's not enough to just stop unwanted behaviors. We need to replace them with new ones. So maybe just start from that neuroscience perspective. Why is this?
2: Okay. So, and we talk a lot about this even in uh, Sexual Integrity 101, about how when we repeat behaviors over and over and over again, whatever those behaviors are... It basically creates this neural pathway in our brain so that those behaviors become more automatic. So think about all the things you do, even in the first 30 minutes of your day. A lot of times we don't even need to think about that. Those things basically are on automatic pilot. And so as we continue throughout our life and we have these behaviors, whether they are healthy or unhealthy, they exist mostly because of this neural pathway that's been created in our brain. When it comes to replacing the behaviors when the behavior is unhealthy or problematic, that's the harder part because our brain still wants what it wants Mm -hmm. and it's still gonna do those things in an automatic way unless we intentionally disrupt that that pattern. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what it comes down to is being intentional about breaking that chain or breaking down that neural pathway Mm -hmm. and then creating a new one that then is gonna become strengthened, the more we do those things, and it's going to replace that old neural pathway. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so quick story. Uh, we, like many families in America, got a puppy during COVID and our <laughs> puppy is now about a year and a half old and he sits at our bedroom door. And if it gets to be after 6.30 AM, he starts to whine if we haven't come out. And when I come out, he is the happiest... You know, most excited. I tell you, it is hard to have a bad mood to start your day (laughs) when any living being is that excited to see you, right? It's just like. And, and I, so I, I advocate for getting, you know, an emotional support <laughs> puppy if your spouse will you allow go. it. But yeah. um, no, you know what I think about in this answer too, that was just going back to Heather's comment about the first 30 minutes of our day. And, mm. and I do think that matters. Like totally. the mood yeah. we're in, the things yeah. that we engage with, yeah. if I'm immediately on my phone and looking at social media, I'm probably yeah. going to feel a lot of other things to mm-hmm. start my day and I can carry over. Um, but the other illustration I was thinking of is what they say is the best way to keep weeds out of your lawn it's not to treat the weeds, it's to have a healthy lawn, yeah. to have good grass yeah. that's growing yeah. in and filling all the space. Because if there's grass everywhere, weeds just can't take root. And that's what I think of when we're looking at replacing those old behaviors, is if we're just leaving all these gaps in the lawn of our lives, something else unhealthy will probably find a way to land there, put down roots, yeah. grow up. And yeah. by the time we realize it's there, it's already got some roots in us. So. Mm. If, if we can just keep working on what are those healthy habits and practices, it's like growing that healthy lawn in our brains and in our hearts and minds. Yeah. There's there's just not room for the other stuff. Yeah, and I that's think good. that's really the pattern we're trying to develop here.
0: Yeah. A uh, book I read a couple of years ago called The Talent Code by a guy named Daniel Coyle. Um, it's one of my favorite books. And it talks about how the brain is not able to unlearn a habit. You have to learn something in place of that habit in order for your brain to stop going toward that other. And and sometimes it's not a negative habit that we're changing, but in this case, this is an unwanted behavior that we're trying to change. We have to put something else in its place. And I think so often about, um Colossians. I, f- I feel like it's in Colossians. I keep saying that. And I hope it is. But basically, the put on and the take off. Right, mm. take off the old man, put Colossians on the new. Three. There you go. Yes. Okay. All right. Confidence. Seal it in brain. I need to say <laughs> it a bunch. But it's that idea that we we can't just take off an old unwanted behavior. We can't just stop doing it. We mm. have to replace it with something. And you know, I think of you had a video that you played in our old Pure Desire Conferences. Um, You played a video of this guy learning how to ride a bike and ride a bike that had it opposite, where if you turned left, your bike went right. And if you turned right, the bike went left. And you see this funny video of him learning and what he's doing, and it's so hard because he's unlearning quote unquote, he's replacing an old habit of riding a bike the normal way. And he's struggling and working really, really hard. And you can see it. His brain is literally creating this new neurological pathway. And that's what's happening is that we have to learn that because it's like anybody, you've heard it before. You, you can't unlearn how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like I, I probably haven't ridden a bike in years, which is my <laughs> wife's fault. And I will, I will say that to her right now. It's her fault. But I still know how to do it. And it's the same thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That video is in Ashley's session. Oh, it is in Ashley's session.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I gave you credit
1: and you could have taken it.
2: I know, but I'm not going to do that. Sorry, Ashley.
1: And I think the best part is at the end when he tries to ride a normal bike and he shows that his brain didn't keep both habits. Uh It just learned a new one. And the old one, he couldn't ride a normal bike and until he had some practice on that. So yeah, fascinating video if you've never seen it. Uh, So, Heather, when we're talking about replacing old behaviors, part of that process may be grieving or letting go of those old behaviors. And we we talked about this at length in the last episode. So, listener, if you missed that, you know, encourage you to go back and grab that one too. But from your perspective, Heather, and I know you were supposed to answer first, Trevor, but I I think Heather should answer first again on on the brain side. Do it. Why is it so important that we grieve? losses and let go of those things and not just try to, you know, stop thinking about them.
2: Mm -hmm. So this is one of the, I think, harder things to recognize when we have unhealthy behaviors is that we have them because they meet a need. And I think that that is, even if it's something that you know for sure is going to cause permanent damage, like even like tobacco smoking or some of these other unhealthy behaviors, people do that because it meets a need for them right there in the moment. And there is a piece of us that that wants that and became dependent on that behavior. And, and so when we, even if we know it's hurting us, we have to go through that process of saying goodbye to it. And yeah. I specifically remember this when I was in counseling for my eating disorder, that it was part of that grieving process yeah. was to really have to say goodbye to this piece of my life that had really in a lot of ways protected me. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds super unhealthy because it was killing me at the same time, but it was this part of me that in the moment was helping me survive a very difficult situation Well,
0: emotionally it was helping you survive maybe exactly. physically it was killing you exactly but emotionally it was helping. yeah you. yeah
2: yep and so and i know that ifs this is really at the core of what ifs does internal family systems is that even when we have these parts of us that are unhealthy and they're hurting mm-hmm. us at some point we need to say goodbye to that that unhealth or we need to then understand recognize how it was trying to help us in the moment, but yet we don't need it anymore. And it does really come back to that whole, physiological process in our brain that in the moment tells us that we need this in order to survive mm-hmm. at a foundational level, we need this. And I think a lot of times we don't necessarily recognize upfront that over time, this is going to cause a lot of damage to us yeah. and maybe even to those around us.
0: Last episode, I used an illustration from my younger son. So this one, I'll use an illustration from my older son. I just thought of... Um, you know, the idea of transitioning out of like a pull-up or a diaper. It's like, this is be- this is literally beneficial for you. Like even at a biological level, if you were to sit around in your diaper <laughs> that had pee in all day, it probably wouldn't be good for your skin. But it's also one of those things that it's just part of the process of growing mm. is that you transition out of this. And there's a lack of security. I remember when he, when Brady was learning uh, how to hold basically his bladder during the night, like, And it was a difficult process. I mean, my wife did a lot of laundry and she did not like it. Um, And I can say that with confidence because she has told me that. But I think that it's it's that thing where you lose that security, that sense of like, but what if something bad happens? But what if I have to feel this emotional pain? And my son went through that. Mm -hmm. Like, well, what if I pee the bed again? What if I get wet? What if I have to deal with this um, discomfort again? And I think it's similar. I think Mm -hmm. it's that thing that adds security. And you know, last episode, I talked a little about the idea of it soothing, that it's something we use to soothe when we deal with pain. And so um, you're welcome, boys. I used you both in back-to-back episodes to illustrate (laughs) something.
1: (laughs) Your five-year-old son listens to our podcast? No.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Well, as much someday, as his daddy tells him to, he doesn't. Someday it. he yeah. might,
1: and yeah. then he'll hear you say, you know, you're welcome. It talks about uh, you and diapers, Brady. You you're welcome. <laughs> I think I also bring up the illustration that Ted Roberts uses a lot of stepping out of the boat, you know, Jesus calling us out of the boat, and Mm -hmm. yet how many of us keep one hand on the rail, like, well, just in case this doesn't work out. And what he's referring to isn't just the security of a boat, but that old unhealthy coping behavior of like, I'm not sure I know how to do life without this. So in the back of my mind, I'm... I'm aware of a way that I have access or that person I could reach out to or Mm -hmm. that go to. And if we realize we have that, that's evidence we've not really let go of it. We've not grieved the loss. And that may be exactly what this episode is for, for you to realize I'm still holding on because I've got this idea in the back of my mind, I could go here and do that. And what would it look like for you to let go and to grieve that loss so that you can move forward in your healing and recovery? Yeah.
2: Well, and I think that sometimes that's the way that we find ourselves caught up in some other unhealthy behavior is that because that need still exists, and even if we can let go of one thing that was meeting mm-hmm. that need, we quickly grab onto something else that is unhealthy that really is replacing that need in a dangerous way.
1: Yeah. 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 Yep.
2: Okay. So when it comes to replacing our unwanted behaviors, what kinds of behaviors should we consider?
1: Yeah, a couple of thoughts on this. I think the first one is that we should try to identify why have we been using that unwanted behavior? So if it's been our way of dealing with stress, we might ask the question, well, what are other healthy ways that I have done before in my life that relieves stress. Maybe it's going for a walk, playing with your dog, Mm -hmm. calling up a friend. um, Or if if you're escaping, when you get really angry and emotional, you find that's when you're tempted to say, okay, well, what can I do in those moments instead? I I go out to my garage and I've got a a bag. I go to the Mm -hmm. punching bag, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of identifying when I have that same experience, what will I do instead? So not just replacing the behavior directly, but more what's the emotion or environment that takes you to the behavior and then seek something that's an alternative. And I think that's the same for a betrayed spouse too. If, if your unwanted behavior is like stonewalling or, you know, lashing out in explosive anger to ask instead, okay, what are, what are other habits or activities I could choose rather than going to some of those unhealthy emotional places? Uh, The second idea on this is just to really look at your life from that holistic point of view, Mm -hmm. to not just say, well, I've been looking at porn, so instead I need to, you know, do more exercise. Okay, that may cover the physical aspect of health, but we want to recognize that we're connected beings and we are emotional, relational, spiritual, physical, and in all those areas, just looking at what are habits, practices I can implement that are gonna move me as a person yeah. towards health. Yep. Because when we're moving as a person towards health, then that particular behavior, I think loses its a lot of the strength it has yeah. because we, we just have health coming in in a lot of other places. Yeah. So it's not always gonna be one-to-one. Now, I, I think that's, that first point, we do want to just say, well, what's the direct different behavior I could yeah. choose? Yeah. But in a, in a greater way, we, we just want to say, how can I be moving towards health mm-hmm. as a person and looking holistically at that approach?
0: A second layer, it's something you'd mentioned about the choosing different behaviors, um, is, is also looking at what behaviors put me in those situations where I do get triggered. You know, um, for me, one of the things, um, anger for me is like a, it's a, a masking agent in so many ways, when I'm feeling other emotions, it tends to come out as anger. And so for me, journaling has been something that I can do as a daily practice that enables me to process where I'm at emotionally. And I see that that has a direct impact on me being less angry or responding in a less angry way when those situations happen. So it's almost like the behavior before the behavior, if that makes sense, what are things I can do to to get myself into a better place? But then I I think of, and this is just the illustration that came up is looking for behaviors that push me into relationship and an mm-hmm. example that comes to mind for me is like um, there's tennis or there's golf one of them though my father-in-law would argue with me is is one you can do by yourself golf tennis and again gary it's not true. You can't play tennis by yourself. <laughs> tennis is something you need to have a partner playing with you. And I think that, you know, that's just a really simple illustration to say, is this activity that I'm doing, this habit, this rhythm, whatever, pushing me into relationship and encouraging me to involve other people? Or is it just giving me another outlet to potentially isolate? That doesn't mean you can't go golf with other people. That doesn't mean you can't have silence and solitude, but looking for more of those things that incorporate other people into the process.
2: Mm-hmm. In Unraveled, we um, encouraged women to make a list of the things that you could do that would replace those immediate behaviors. And the the idea of the list was that so morning, noon, and night, regardless of the time of day, that you had several options to choose from. Mm. Because if you are going to rely on that, okay, when I feel triggered this way or this thing is tempting me, I'm going to only do this one thing that might not work, you know, if it's 10 o'clock at night or it might not work if it's 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so just being able to make yourself a list of eight or 10 things that those become your go-to behaviors to choose something that is going to be healthy for you. Or like you said, Trevor, move you toward
0: relationship. And that – those – maybe even the idea of writing out or having to think through what are healthy behaviors I can do might sound exhausting. And it might take a lot of work to think through that because we don't often think about that. We think what would be most pleasurable or more fun or whatever. We don't think, what is the healthiest decision I should make right now? You know, That's not a really easy place to get to, especially if you're in some bad habits, but that doing that sort of exercise is going to be really beneficial in the long run. And so it's kind of one of those things where you got to just kind of embrace the suck at the beginning to then get the benefit at the end. And so, yeah, doing more tools like that, thinking more um, future minded in that sense, I think is really helpful. Pornography. It's not a comfortable subject, but 94% of men and 87% of women have seen pornography at some point in their lives. Has porn impacted your life and your relationships? Well, here's the good news. You can begin the journey to freedom today and have peace of mind knowing you're not alone in the fight. That's how Covenant Eyes, this week's sponsor on the podcast, works, through biblical accountability. When you sign up, you choose an ally to receive your device reports and walk with you toward a life free from porn and the life that God desires for you. You can try it free for 30 days by visiting www.covenanteyes.com and you can enter the promo code PUREDESIRE at checkout. All one phrase, no spaces, that's com. promo code PUREDESIRE at checkout. Freedom begins today. Let's share some personal examples. Um, what are some healthy replacement behaviors that you guys have found that have been just beneficial in your journey?
2: So I think for me, the number one thing for me is always sleep, and especially if if I start to get really yeah. grumpy or grouchy or start to um use way more sarcasm toward my uh, husband, something like that, I then say
0: I your nephew or uh, my, or my, or my, my yes, that's
2: exactly. Fine. Fine. Um but that's my first go-to is because yeah. I know that when I am sleep deprived, for yeah. whatever reason, I become the worst version of myself. And then the other thing too is for me is to reach out to those people that, I love and trust who are safe mm-hmm. for me um especially if I know that that I've been isolating for a long time because honestly my isolation is not I love it I'm a 5 on the Enneagram and so mm-hmm. isolation is is like heaven to me and so <laughs> um and so but a lot of times I find myself seeking isolation because it's easy not because it's it's bringing me back to a relationship. And yeah. so I will intentionally, you know, make those phone calls, reach out to a friend for yeah. coffee, you know, all of those yeah. things that I know are going to feel uncomfortable in the moment probably for me, but then mm-hmm. I know they're really good for my physical and mental health. Totally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a couple for me, and I have mentioned on several podcasts that fantasy sports were a part of my pattern of numbing out going too far, clicking on things I shouldn't. And I realized the starting point was usually just looking for a kind of a break from work, from yeah. sitting at my desk yeah. and emails and phone calls. And so the question was, well, what can I do instead of going online And to me, that became, I need to get up and move. I need to get out of the office. I need to go for a quick walk. I need to just walk around. You know, when I was a pastor, it's like, there's always something around the building that needs to be turned off or checked on or, you know, in a smaller church, like a lot of that was up to me. So I would just go, you know, do little things for a few minutes or, you know, now it's just go make a cup of coffee or tea, something that gets me up, moving and doesn't just say, oh, my go-to do something online. Um, Another big one for me was recognizing part of my pattern was that mid-afternoon lull where Mm -hmm. it's quiet, I'm a little down energy-wise, maybe lunch is still kind of taking the blood out of my brain. I just had to plan that's when I was going to make my group phone calls. Two o'clock, take a break, get up from my desk, make a phone call because that was my low time. And rather than being open to just other temptations Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to proactively plan community and health. And that was, especially in the first year, a big, big game changer for me. Uh, and the third example I'd give, you know, for a lot of people traveling, the isolation of hotel rooms can be an issue. So, you know, I needed to replace the behavior of turning on the TV and the temptations or triggers that could bring. So instead, um, I've always committed to calling home when I get into the hotel room and then also having a good book with me that I'm reading. Yep. And I don't yep. mean like a leadership book or theology book. I mean, like popcorn fiction, like Clive Cussler. Yeah. Clive <laughs> Cussler's my go-to. I'll admit, like, he's not that great of a writer. It's not that deep. The stories aren't Clive that if you're listening, sorry. we're so sorry. If Clive does listen, <laughs> that would be phenomenal because the guy's got to be a multi-millionaire. Oh. He's got hundreds of. He's books. not that good of a writer, that's why but I he's written <laughs> hundreds of well, books. Well, that's why I say he's not that yeah. good because he just keeps cranking them out. But they're popcorn fiction of like they're easy to read. Oh, they don't make awesome. you know I don't have to engage a ton of mental it's energy. Awesome. It's almost like and they're they, you know they don't have sex and language and stuff like that. So. I've just found it's a way that I can kind of zone out yep. and not yeah. have triggering situations come up. So for for you, if you travel, whatever that is, if it's the kind of book that you usually don't read that just is fun and lighthearted mm-hmm. or some activity that you just know when I'm at my hotel after that business meeting, this yep. is what I do. And yep. it fills up the night and it's positive. Yep. And then I go to bed and feel good about my day versus
0: ruining it with some late night activity. Totally. I think for me, some of the things are just finding those pockets of time that I already had open and leveraging those for health. You know, you talked about phone calls. Like for me, drive time is a time for phone calls. Like I listen to books and podcasts and things too, but that's um, like I try to make two or three phone calls every single week to friends, to group members, whatever it may be. Um, and that is usually really beneficial cause that's put, that puts me in a good space when I get to work. And if I'm calling, but on my way home, it puts me in a better space when, you know, when I get home, um, and then journaling and everyone who's listened and read any of my stuff knows that journaling is just a really beneficial and helpful thing for me because it allows me to sit and process and be present with how I'm feeling with the things that are on my heart and mind, things I want to pray about, um and for me that's what it is journaling is praying as i'm just spending time talking to the lord um but just using you know my pen and <clears throat> one of the things i've um you know one of the things i've realized and uh, we've heard i've heard this from our friend jay stringer is that he said sometimes when he sits down to write words come out of his fingers that wouldn't have come out of his mouth and i feel the exact same way about mm-hmm. journaling that there are times where wow, I didn't realize that I felt that way or thought that. And I don't think I would have ever said it that way. And there's this weird kind of creative, poetic way that words can come out sometimes when we're writing, but that just for me engages multiple sides of my brain and also engages my emotions. It's been helpful. Mm, That's good. So when
1: we think about these new healthy behaviors, things that we're entering into, how involved should other people be in helping create those or choose those for us? Um, Like a spouse, A group member, maybe our counselor. Is this just something we do on our own, or how could we, in appropriate ways, involve others in the process?
2: So I think that we can involve others. Um, I think there's also an area of this where uh, couples might need to tread lightly, depending on where they are at in the their healing. Exactly, that process. Um, Because sometimes for a betrayed spouse, she may not. Um, want to know what her spouse thinks that she should be doing for replacing healthy behaviors. He might have yeah. lost that privilege for a while. Yeah. And so um, I said he just in that stereotypical way, but, um, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yep. but if specifically for a betrayed spouse, that's where they might need some insights from their group. If yeah. they're in a betrayal and beyond group or, or if they have safe friends that that they might even be stuck, like, okay, I, I don't want to be doing these things that are um, causing me more distress. And so Mm -hmm. what can I be doing instead to break out of these unhealthy patterns? And that would be a great conversation for betrayed spouse to have.
0: Yeah. Cause you honestly, like, especially if you're early on in recovery or in healing from betrayal and you're in any kind of crisis, your decision-making is going to be probably suspect. Mm -hmm. Like there's a little bit of Um, I uh, just like my head's on fire. I don't know what's happening and involving other people is really important. And I think, you know, for me with my therapist, it's been really helpful to have those conversations. And it's not that he isn't concerned with maintaining relationship and rapport with me, but there's a different level of that that maybe a spouse or a close friend might have where they're thinking about, well, I don't wanna hurt Trevor's feelings. So I'm not gonna say anything or um, maybe I need to just like take a step back and let him figure this out. Where a counselor. If I'm asking them like, what do you think? They're gonna say, well, this is what I think. And my Mm -hmm. therapist has done a good job of that. And so I think the reason, I think it's just important to understand that the reason why we involve other people is because depending on where we're at in the season of recovery and healing, we might not be the best source to come up with those habits for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I think it's okay to acknowledge if we become stuck and we really can't see the alternatives. And so going to our group or our spouse Mm -hmm. to say, "I, I don't know what else to do. What are your thoughts? and then making sure we're really open to that because the truth is what they suggest might not make sense to us, but that's because we're stuck and we need to be open to it because I have had situations with people in group that they say, well, I don't know what to do. And group members start to suggest things and their attitude quickly becomes, oh, well, that won't work. Well, I can't do that. Here's why that won't work. Oh, I've already tried that. And you you get the feeling like, is it really that you don't know what to do or you're not actually willing to do anything other than what you've already been doing? And you're just looking for how to actually make that work. So I think if we don't know what to do, that's key, just really being open yep. to the input of others, because if they see something, they're really suggesting it because they believe it would help us. And why not try that on, just see if it will work. Give it you know, a few weeks or months to make it a new habit before you go, oh, well, that won't work and here's why, because that's probably why we're stuck, because we have in our own perspective dismissed a lot of things that could have helped us.
2: Totally. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change is hard.
1: It is, <laughs> amen. <laughs>
2: So, how does everything that we're talking about today relate to our three circles tool, that relapse prevention tool that a lot of us who are involved in Pure Desire were very familiar with that? Um, but for those listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that, also, um, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the real quick and simple overview is it, it has a middle circle that defines what a relapse or a crash is. It has uh, an inner circle. I, I just mix those up. Inner circle, middle circle would be one, yeah. your boundaries or guardrails. What are those things that I'm choosing not to do? Because in the past, they've led me to that um, inner circle relapse. And then the outer circle, the third one is, what are the healthy behaviors that I'm choosing to do instead? And I know a lot of people like to think of it as red, yellow, green, like a stoplight. Red, I don't go. That's a relapse. Yellow, that's where I have to be careful. But green is defining what can I do? Where can I go instead? And we really... uh, encourage the use of this tool, because I think it gives us a snapshot of our plan and to see how they relate. So if you've got a lot of boundaries and guardrails that are keeping you away from that old negative behavior, that's good. But then what relates to that outer circle? And so I think as we adopt these new practices, we want to make sure we write them onto our three circles and that we keep kind of looking for the links to the, the guardrails or even the crash to say, how is this helping me replace those and move towards health? Versus sometimes what I can find in group is a, a person will just, they'll just be writing healthy behaviors, eat better, sleep more. And right. I mean, those things are good. Yeah, but sure. if they're not connected to a, a kind of personal conviction or to my old unhealthy patterns of why I see this would be good, it, it's probably not gonna help us much. So that'd be my encouragement as you fill out your tool, when you're thinking of that green zone, don't just list random healthy behaviors. Try to yeah. identify
0: things that for you specifically would have value and why. Yeah. And uh, gosh, like don't pick things that just work for other people. Like if, so you run, you're a runner, which makes zero sense to me why people <laughs> like running, which is why running is not something that I have as my in my outer circle. Because- it just sounds like there's zero pleasure involved with it. I It not lead you back to your crash. Yeah, right? exactly. Fall, I hate yeah, so much. This is I need so to cope. dumb. Right. I need to cope with the but, pain. So I think that there needs to be like a, not a comparison in that sense, but I like what you're saying about connecting it to our old behaviors. Like, you know, for me, um, I just recently was uh, exploring kind of this topic with uh, with a blog that um, for me, I've used to use movies and TV as a way to numb out. And that also would be part of my matrix of addiction where I would move into the crash. Um, but for me, repurposing that same behavior, but involving other people, like every week we have a family movie night. We do a Sabbath every single week and we have a family movie night where all four of us sit down and watch mm-hmm. a movie. That is replacing that old behavior. It is the same behavior, but it's in a different context. Um But I think you just need to be realistic, you know, because I'm an early riser. I get up, you know, you get up at 6.30 because your dog, I get up at five because I want to get some things done before my dogs, boys, wake up at 6.30. And so not everybody can get up at five or wants to get up that early. And so you also have to cater a little bit to your own personality, your own rhythms. I don't think that that's bad, that Nick likes to run and I like to get up early. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you see your green circle, that outer circle starting to become a list of things you should do, well, I should eat better i should get up earlier i should read my bible more yeah. that's actually more the language of the yellow middle circle the totally. ought tos. and and yeah. honestly those don't have as much impact from what i've heard heather say at changing my brain long term yeah. and so if you realize everything you're writing out there are just the should do's yeah. um stop shooting on shit. yourself yeah and <laughs> yeah. say instead what what do i like to do what do i want to do what what would excite me to be like yeah i really like hiking and i've i've hardly done yeah. it in the last few years yeah. I'm going to make that one of my, you know, at least once a month I go for a hike and I'm looking forward to it. Now that's what you want yep. in your green circle. And maybe there are a few things of like, you know, eat more vegetables, but if your list is dominated by what I should do, it's probably not going to serve Read my Bible well. for
0: six hours and pray for 14 of the other out, you know, like it, not that they can't be good things, but being realistic is what I hear you saying too. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's a realistic level of like, well, I have a job. I can't read the Bible for 16 hours a day and that's okay.
2: Mm -hmm. Nick, I've heard you say this multiple times that your green circle is your yes circle. And that's one of the things is our brain loves yes. It loves the things that even as we anticipate doing something like you just mentioned, going on a hike once a month, even that anticipation of that is going to stimulate the production of great dopamine Mm. in our brain and is really going to be impactful when it comes to changing those unhealthy neural pathways in our brain, which is great. I mean, that's a great tool.
0: So uh, like all things, these new behaviors, um, which are probably good and are okay, can oftentimes run into us using them in unhealthy ways. You know, I think of um, the gym, um, where people go and they work out and they're getting healthy and they're physically getting fit, but then they realize they're spending hours and hours and hours after work or you know, every day at the gym and sacrificing relationship, things like that. How do we ensure that we're not just recreating old, ba- you know, basically recreating these old unwanted behaviors in just new ways that are creating problems?
2: Yeah, this is a great question because I think that that happens a lot to all of us. Um, let's see, for example, let's say you have somebody who is using porn and masturbating and so they decide to stop doing that and they're gonna replace that with going to the gym, which like you said, is a healthy right. behavior. But at some point, they have to be able to recognize when that new healthy behavior becomes obsessive, becomes something that they use as an escape to avoid conflict with people that they love. If it's something that they're using, like you said, six hours a day instead of let's be healthy and go to the gym one hour, four or five days a week, mm-hmm. but it becomes something that now it's they're using it in an unhealthy way. Does that make sense? So, and I think that takes for all of us this level of awareness that, yes, this thing is good and healthy, but if it becomes something that, again, I'm using to escape, I'm using to avoid, I'm using to numb out, then we have to reevaluate what is that going to look like now to replace it with something healthy? Because I think that this is really at the core when we see a lot of people who struggle with addictive behaviors is that they go through this cycle of swapping out all these other things that then become addictive behaviors. And it really kind of makes their healing process a lot longer yeah. because they're having to filter through all of these behaviors. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep.
1: Yeah, and, I, and I've heard you talk about this, Heather, and I experienced it too, that sometimes it's okay that we're moving towards less destructive coping behaviors if we're aware that we need to keep facing it. Like in my first year of recovery, I mean, if you think I drink a lot of coffee now, you should have seen me in year one of recovery. And my wife said to me, She's like, You're seriously a coffee addict now, more than you ever have been in your life. But she said, At least that one never hurts me. And so I'm okay with it. Yeah. And and I was aware, like, yeah, I'm I'm making a lot of pots of coffee, but I'm also not doing the old stuff. Yeah. And and you know, now I I don't drink near the amount of coffee I did that first year. So I, I think for me, I look at we've got to be honest with the why behind our behaviors. Yeah. So for me, running yeah. is an outlet, but there are times where my focus can start to become more on, am I fast? Am I improving? Am I faster than other people? And if I'm not, then I can feel like, what's the point? And well, I'm losing my why because I'm actually getting back into a performance mode and yeah. using running as a way to feel better than other people or to yeah. compete and compare. And those are part of my unhealthy patterns. So I have to remember the why is not, I, the why is it's it's healthy for me mentally. It's It's a way to just refresh, recharge. Um, time to have some inner dialogue with God. And when that's the focus, no matter the speed, it's good for me. So I think for all of us, we do just have to have that balance of what is the why behind my behavior? And if I realize the why is back to some old unhealthy coping behaviors, it may not even mean we need to change or stop that behavior because no. if it is a healthy behavior, it may just be a refocusing time of, yeah. I've got to come back to the reasons I set out to do this in the first place.
0: And I had an experience like that because what, what I would say is it's just putting parameters around that behavior. Um, cause when, uh, after Brady was born, um, I was, I think it was the first time I was going through the Harry Potter books and I just was like, I can't, I need to have more of this. Like I need to read. And I found myself just kind of going back into our room and reading. And what I found out probably after a couple of weeks is like, that started to annoy my wife. And it's like, where are you going? You know? And I realized I was escaping and I didn't realize at the time I was avoiding some hard conversations and we were in our, our debt-free journey, which was really difficult. We were living with my in-laws, which, you know, I felt like crap about, um, they're great. <laughs> I feel crap about me. Um, but I realized that a way to still, uh, enjoy reading and not have to get rid of that was to put the parameter on it of like asking her, Hey, do you mind if I go read for a little bit in the room? And if she said yes, then it's okay. Like this is a healthy thing. I'm, I'm checking in with her first and making sure I'm not avoiding something. Cause if the answer was no, then there's something we need to talk about. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, it elevated, oh, yeah, okay, There are some things I might Mm -hmm. be running away from. So, just putting parameters because I think it can be an all or nothing thinking where it's like, no, now I can't watch movies anymore. It's like, well, no, no, no. Like, let's just put some parameters around it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think this is really encouraging to think about. Um, No matter where we are in our recovery journey, I think continuing to develop new healthy behaviors Mm -hmm. that replace unhealthy ones is just That's an ongoing journey um, for all of us. and, And I'm finding it different stages of life. You know, as I've got teenage kids now and some of the complexity of that, there's new habits I'm tempted to use to escape. And that means there's new habits I've got to develop for health. And so for all our listeners, I hope you're you're grabbing something out of this that for you, you can begin implementing yeah. in your journey. Yeah. Uh, but let's wrap up uh, with just what are some of our closing thoughts and encouragements we'd like to leave people with as it comes to renewing their mind by developing those new healthy behaviors?
0: Um, a couple of things that just come to mind for me are being realistic. Um, you know, like, let's say I uh, value reading the Bible and spending time praying. Um, If in my day I can't devote two hours to it, but I can devote 15 minutes, it's not an all or nothing, Mm, like be realistic. Like, you know, and the idea too is not, you know, I hear a lot of people say words like this, that um, it's not about what we do, it's who we're becoming and our daily decisions Mm. over time like it's like building a Lego, if I put it, cause Brady's into Legos right now, this is how I think. But if I put one piece um, of a Lego onto something I'm building every single day, like it may not feel significant for that day, but over a year, that Lego is gonna be huge. And there's gonna be a lot that has taken place. Um, and so I think that way, just being realistic, And another kind of application maybe from my life is I'm finishing up a master's degree right now, which takes away a lot of my time, which means I'm sacrificing some of those things I used to really like doing and were really beneficial for me. And seminary is very beneficial for me. It absolutely is. But it's a season where I'm trying to be realistic. I have to pull back on some of these other things that I used to do when I had more time. Because if I'm just trying to do everything all the time, then I'm going to burn out. I'm going to hurt relationships with my family. I'm not going to be as focused. And so being realistic with our schedule, with our rhythms, um, and knowing that it's seasonal, I think has been really helpful.
2: Yeah, that's good. I'm going to say what I always say, because I just think that this is so important, but pick one thing. It's always just pick one thing that you can do to, you know, raise that level of awareness and, and make a change that you're going to then do for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And even if it's something like evaluating whether or not a behavior is healthy or unhealthy is just to kind of monitor that for yourself. If you find that, um, you're being pulled, like when things get uncomfortable in your family or with your spouse, and you find yourself being pulled in the direction, in a different direction, it's evaluating that why. Why is this happening right now? Why am I being triggered and wanting to escape back into this old behavior? That would probably be like your first step. And then it would be to figure out, okay, if this is happening and I understand why, what can I do instead yep. is kind of to go through that process, but only pick one thing at a time so that then you're successful.
1: Yes. And for us, Enneagram threes, that's really important advice to remember <laughs> one thing, not all at once, one at a time is okay. Sevens two, man. We have a hard time <laughs> over here. Mm-hmm. And I think that relates to the the final advice I would just share is in this process, be okay with trial and error, mm-hmm. be okay with experimenting yeah. and failing. That's and good. especially for those of us that tend to be in a performance mode or slip into that, we can feel a little bit restricted, like, well, I don't know if I'll like it or be good at it, so I won't even try. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Try it out, and if it doesn't really bring life or help you move towards healthy behaviors, then go on to something else. You know, an mm. example of this early in my recovery, there were a couple of times I was invited to play paintball. And I wondered if paintball would be like one of those healthy outlets. And I just found out the answer was absolutely no, <laughs> because it was way too competitive. I would get way too stressed. I mean, in the moment I would enjoy it. And if you invite me to a paintball thing, I'll go, but it is not going to be part of my healthy behaviors. Yeah. Cause it was like the night before I can't sleep. It just was so in that competitive mode. So um, I had to be willing to be okay with that. Like, this just isn't going to be something I pursue as a hobby. And okay, I'll move on to something else. Um, But if if we're not willing to try, if we're not willing to engage with those things, Mm -hmm. we probably will keep coming back to the old familiar behaviors just because we know what to expect and we know what the ground rules are. So this, as you said, you know, change isn't easy, Mm -hmm. but we've got to be willing to try some things. And maybe we'll find out we like birdwatching a lot more than we thought, or we're way more into reading a certain genre of books than we thought we yeah. would be. Yeah. Where we maybe like a certain kind of music more than we ever thought. So just trying. And I remember um, one of the best voices that really advocates for this at Pure Desire is Harry Flanagan in mm. the Seven Pillars workbook, in his counseling. I know he talks about that a lot, about go try something new. And if you decide you don't like it, that's fine. Move the on. trying the yeah. new thing helps your brain and you will then find some things that can become part of those inner, those outer circle healthy behaviors totally. for the long haul. So totally. don't be afraid to try and to fail and not see it as failure or just to say, oh, that one didn't work for me. Great. Go on to the next thing.
0: Mm, that's good. I'm writing down something new I've wanted to try. And then I'm <laughs> cool. just coming. Here I come, Amazon. Um, this is... I feel like this is such a foundational conversation, um, and topic for recovery. And I'm glad that we finally have had it. And I know we've talked around this topic for a while, but, um, I think it's important to say that this is not a like really easy, what we say is just plug and play and you can just Mm -hmm. change your habits right away. Um, but to know, you know, what I'm hearing is, is Jenna Remersma, the idea of self-compassion. Um, Just, you know, give yourself a break, as you were saying, and and as Harry teaches, just that idea. Um, And so just be encouraged that replacing old behaviors is not going to be like a one, two, three, and you're healthy kind of thing. Um, It is trial and error, as Nick said, but it is something that can be fun and can be exciting Mm -hmm. when we're finding new things and new ways to get healthier. So, Hev, thanks for being here. Appreciate you.
2: Yeah, I love this.
0: And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week we put out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, never stop being healthy.